Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Pondering Putan with Ajishi Otaro and Hachimitsu Boy. I'm Connor, and I'm here with my co-host, Neve, and this is your Jacksonville Jaguars Week 5 season check-in. Uh, so today we're going to check in on how the Jags are doing so far this year and kind of talk about our expectations for the the rest of the schedule. Uh, personally, I feel like we've seen a little bit of everything this year. Uh, obviously, after week three, we were all talking about Doug Peterson as a miracle worker. Uh, the Jags were even second in DVOA, which I don't think I've ever seen before in my lifetime. Uh, and now two weeks later, uh, they're picking themselves up off the mat uh, after a crushing loss to the uh, division rival Houston Texans. So I think uh, probably a good place to start is on the positive um, with our season MVP so far. Um, so just wanted to let you go first and um, tell me who you think the MVP is so far this year. So so what is a human? That's a good choice. I think uh, I agree. Um there's debate that could be had. Um, but I think for me, it has to be Devin Lloyd, um, especially coming off a really rough preseason. Uh, there were some times in the preseason where I was really uh, concerned about whether or not he'd be able to adapt to the speed of the game uh, coming in as a rookie uh, from Utah. Um, but it really seems like it slowed down for him um, as the season's gone on. Uh, to the point where, you know, I think he's now, um, I saw yesterday that he's in the running for, uh, the Vegas odds have him as favorite for defensive rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, that's obviously a huge, uh, development. Um, and I think he's probably outshined, uh, the number one overall pick, Trayvon Walker. Uh, although Walker has done some good things, uh, as well. Um, and really the defense overall has been, Fantastic. Um, my expectations, uh, you remember we, we discussed in the preseason, the preseason show. Yeah. Um, I thought if everything went right, this could, this could be a top five defense with -hmm. some of the additions they've made through the draft and in free agency, especially free agency over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, really fortified the depth of the team. Um, and now adding two first round picks. So you get some more high-end talent, um, a little more speed, um, a little more strength on the line. Um, and that's really um, – that that really has borne out. Um, and I think they're still top 10 uh, in DVOA on defense. Um, and, of course, they were like – they were second um, a couple weeks ago. But we've had a couple of rough weeks where the, the offense has really put them in some tough spots. Yeah. Um, and then on the flip side, I think uh, the offense is a much more mixed bag. Um, you know, we saw them hang 38 points on the Chargers in week three. Um, and we were all thinking, um, is could this be a playoff year? Um, which definitely we're not expecting at the beginning of the season. Um, but now it's all, we've kind of come crashing back down here um, with two really uh, tough games for Trevor Lawrence. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just want to give you a chance to kind of 
Um, what, what are your thoughts on the offense so far? So how do we define humanity? What, what are the, like, what are the criteria that we use? Can we develop an actual, like, b- both like, uh, theoretically sound definition of human, um, as well as like a, a, a practical working definition? Hmm. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, for me, that definition is uh, if you can convert on third and 10 at more than a 50% rate, uh, I, th- I think you've, I think you've got it. Um, we can put the, the questions to bed. Um, either that, or if I hang a banana from the ceiling and it like not a super tall ceiling, um, probably like 15 feet high. And then you can figure out how to get the banana down. Um, that would probably be my starting point, uh, in terms of a philosophical, uh, a philosophical, like grounding of, uh, the concept of human. Yeah. Like, like either that or being able to throw the corner out, um, on a fairly, you know, again, hit that route, like 70% of the time, um, I'd say you're, I'd say you're, uh, you're passing, you're, you're, you're passing the bar. Mm-hmm. So is a, is a Jaguar a human? Uh, after these past two weeks, if you asked me that after week three, I wouldn't, I would have said, hell yeah. Um, past two weeks. I, I don't know if they're getting the banana from the ceiling. Um, you have five turnovers in week four. To me, that's, that's like, if I give you a box to stand on to get the banana, mm-hmm. and that, that's just not thinking it through. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just not, you're just not doing the small things and going, going through the right progressions there. Um, you're yeah. just trying to force it. Like you're just picking up the box and just, you don't even know what you're going to do with it. You know? Yeah. You just want the banana and you don't, and you're, so you just see the box and you pick it up and you're really not thinking it through. Yeah. Um, I think, I think I have a reading that's going to really help us think through this uh, philosophical problem uh, vis-a-vis the Jaguars. Um, so if you'll permit me, can I can I take a oh, yeah, moment to, to read this passage? Okay. Um, the jaguar, Panthera onca, is a large cat species and the only living member of the genus Panthera native to the Americas. With a body length of up to 1.85 meters, that's 6 feet 1 inches, and a weight of up to 158 kilograms, uh, that's 348 pounds, it is the largest cat species in the Americas and the third largest in the world. Its distinctive marked coat features pale yellow to tan colored fur covered by spots that transition to rosettes on the side, although a melanistic black coat appears in some individuals. The jaguar's powerful bite allows it to pierce the carapaces of turtles and tortoises, and to employ an unusual killing method, it bites directly through the skull of mammalian prey between the ears to deliver a fatal blow to the brain. 
The modern Jaguar's ancestors probably entered the Americas from Eurasia during the early Pleistocene via the land bridge that once spanned the Bering Strait. Today, the Jaguar's range extends from core southwestern United States across Mexico and much of Central America, the Amazon rainforest and south to Paraguay and northern Argentina. It inhabits a variety of forested and open terrains, but its preferred habitat is tropical and subtropical moist broadleaf forests, wetlands, and wooded regions. It is adept at swimming and is largely a solitary, opportunistic, stalk-and-ambush apex predator. As a keystone species, it plays an important role in stabilizing ecosystems and in regulating prey populations. So I'm, I'm going to get to the part that's really interesting now. Okay. Okay. I mean, Got all it. of this has been really... Um, I think something to sink our teeth into, but I I, th- I think you've identified a lot of the issues so far. Yeah. So the Jaguar is threatened by habitat loss, habitat fragmentation, poaching for trade with its body parts and killings in human wildlife conflict situations, particularly mm. with ranchers in central and South America. Now the question that I have here, the question is in these conflict situations, is the panther on the human side or the wildlife side? I I think you, I think you'd have to say that uh, it's on the human side, right? If yeah, I'm this, following you correctly. This is what I would this is the assumption I would come to. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So because with that in mind Sorry, I'm I'm also eating a donut right now because oh good yeah earlier in did you deliver the killing blow mm-hmm. earlier in the passage brain directly it talks about the conflict that the jaguar has against turtles tortoises and mammalian prey all of that suggests wildlife to me yeah turtles and tortoises known scourge of humanity mm-hmm. um so co- common enemy there as well hmm. So, I mean, uh, food for thought. Feel free to, to dissect that. Um, yeah. Dig in a little bit more. Now, now well, here's here's the other. So, I think I think your your reasoning is sound so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we can take this further. This is a really good uh, apple cider donut, by the way. It's um, cinnamon sugar coated. Oh, it's it sounds good. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you come visit uh, Cincinnati sometime. There's a place right down the road from me that does um, really wacky donut flavors. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do a lot yeah. of savory donuts, uh, and th- they're actually unbelievable. Um, I think this weekend, I didn't have it, but they had a Reuben donut. And then mm-hmm. in past weekends, they've had uh, like buffalo chicken dip. Uh, Skyline Chili was late before last. And then they have a like a standard, um, like everything, and then also, um, gosh, what is it? I'm blinking on the other one. Um, mm-hmm. It's really good though. It, you definitely like it, especially um, the Skyline Chili one. So, um, so Emily was just sorry to de- derail. We're, I we are going to get back to this really um, pressing issue that I have around the yeah, concept. Yeah, yeah, I, I have like a. I have like a superordinate uh, uh, concern about yeah. this debate, but um, so this is Emily. Emily went to Michigan to see her mom, 
um, over the weekend. She had today, which is Monday, off. Um, I did not, and I also had a, a doctor appointment on Saturday, so she just went with our with our toddler. Um, and I stayed home and mostly just recorded a bunch of long ass podcasts and a couple short ones like this one. Um, but so while she was there, she went to, and I don't know if this means anything to you, Connor. She went to a Michigan apple orchard. Does this like mean anything? It it doesn't other than the conversation we had. I can't remember if it was on Putan or Goose Drivers about, um, living in places that have a lot of apple orchards. Yeah. So, um, like a Michigan apple orchard is like, uh, during the, the fall, um, you go and of course there are apples and you can go pick apples. Um, or you can get apples that they've already picked. Donuts and slushies and stuff. Yeah. But then there'll, there'll be like, and it's kind of like, it has the vibe of like a, a farm, like a, uh, yeah. Um, like it's it's more put together than like a barn but it has a little bit of that vibe and you go in and there's just like uh all sorts of apple things you can get caramel apples you can get apple donuts uh, made with apple cider sometimes you can get um apple fritters as well but like apple cider donuts are the the big thing um you can obviously get apple cider um and then there will also be like a section where and it will kind of vary depending on the specific orchard like what the vibe is but like maybe there'll be a small piece of farm equipment that's like old that kids can kind of sit on and like you know just enjoy Get maybe tennis. there's some yeah maybe there's some like weird slide that um is like put together with things that are not like normal playground equipment um Maybe there's just like the the farmer who owns this just really likes making like scrap metal sculptures. So there's just a bunch of dinosaurs made out of scrap metal and you can just go look at the scrap metal dinosaurs. Um, but there's like attractions, but like in a very simple sense where, you know, there might be something resembling a playground. It's not going to be like your big fancy playground, but, um, you know, there might be like a little bit of structure that a kid can run around on stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So she went there. Brought back some apple cider donuts. So, um, and Emily yeah, like is, recently got back, so that's why I'm enjoying this. This is definitely uh, very similar to uh, Southwestern North Carolina, um, in the like Andersonville area specifically, because they have like almost the exact same thing. Uh, they must have stolen it from Michigan, um, or maybe this is just like a have, feature of. of uh, places that have like apple orchards. Yeah, it's, it's a standalone complex. But like, I've been to um, apple orchards in Wisconsin and they don't do this to the same extent, which is weird to me. Um, like, you're not that far away. I don't know why, but... Um, yeah, that seems like the type of thing that, that they would just get in Wisconsin, but maybe not. Um, but yeah, it the ones in Hendersonville have pretty much the all of that um, except for like the scrap metal, uh, for kids to impale themselves on. Um, other than that, it's also, I know that's morbid. I just like whenever, when, <laughs> whenever I think about children playing on some sort of, uh, non-regulated metal thing, uh, it always goes back to, my mind goes back to, uh, my uncle impaling himself on a tractor or like some rusted out scrap um, when he was like a kid. Um, he, he survived, but 
um, just like totally punched a hole through his leg on some rusty uh, scrap metal in a farm in America's Georgia. So that's like my universal image now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the apple cider donuts, I've definitely had a variation of that really good. Uh, they also have, does Michigan have the like apple slushy thing? It's like apple cider slush. Not really. Okay. That, but like, that is, I'm, cause here the vibe's going to be like hot apple cider. Maybe it's just a temperature difference thing about like it might where people be. are going. It might be, but let me tell you, the apple cider slushy, uh, I would drink that in cold weather. It's it's really good. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, so if a jaguar was in your classroom, then would you, would you say that that jaguar is a human? Or would you say that um, no one in the school is a human? Ooh. I mean, I was going to be like, of course the Jaguar is a human because, like, they're they're here at school. Right. You know? But you've what now kind of introduced the, would... you've now introduced the idea that none of us are human. And I am. Right. This is intriguing to me. Because I feel like the definition of a school, like the category of school, philosophically. Mm-hmm. Um, is essentially defined by servicing humans. You know what I mean? Mm, but so then, but if you have a school that in which a Jaguar is enrolled and is, uh, a student, then that calls into question mm, the whole, but the whole, it destabilizes mm, the, the category. I, mm, I'm thinking about this from a different angle. Which is not that it's destabilizing the category uh, of, um, it, 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 I, I, I fully accept that, like, if, uh, if a jaguar is here to learn, I think within my definition of humanity, um, that jaguar is a human. Unless the state of being at a school is a thing that dehumanizes you, that, that changes you from human to student. That the the state of being that we all are is student, not human. Okay, so somehow the category of student does not entail humanity. So then, when you when you go, even if a human goes to the school and becomes a student at the school, uh, it that in and of itself is a dehumanizing shift where they yes. move into another category that does what, not entail humanity. What is the purpose of education? Well, in light of this conversation, I think we would have to conclude that it is to uh, make the human unhuman. To 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 train the human in being a student, so that the human can be prepared to be something else other than human. Mm. Because the default state is human. So, so what's the school for? The school's not going to make you more human, is it? Unless there are uh, gradations within the category of human 
that uh, somehow require uh, an external input um, or external force to uh, to unlock or, or achieve. But yeah. with with your proposition, what is really troubling about this is um, if if this is the case that the purpose of the school is to uh, make the human inhuman um, or unhuman to unhuman the human, uh, then there the school is a place of profound instability, uh, and. And therefore, we would expect uh, perhaps violence to occur, uh, mm-hmm. I, or because again, um, the chaos of uh, a human no uh, deprived of their humanity uh, and destabilized in that way, uh, you have a bunch of subjects who have uh, who no longer have a category, or at least in a, a transient state. Um, between definition, uh, you would think that in, in the chaos that that entails, then there would be uh, some sort of violence. Um, so if you had a school where violence was common um, or where the students understood themselves um, and their relations with others uh, and their, their position within, uh, within the, that world of the school – uh, through violence, um, then that could be, that could very much be a possibility. Uh, but I don't know, I haven't ever encountered that, that type of, uh, phenomenon in a school. Yeah. Well, except for this one time that I read this manga, uh, called Cromartie High School. I'm actually just remembering it now. Oh, I've never heard of it. Uh, I read it a long time ago. Um, but in, in, now that we're talking about this, it, it really uh, it really strikes me as um, a very uh, an, an incisive uh, work uh, because it does illustrate this exact uh, phenomenon. It's a world where. Uh, the, the students themselves are all, uh, well, they're, they're called delinquents. Um, they understand themselves as delinquents. Um, they seem to be dislocated from a larger society almost entirely. Uh, and they exist within this school, uh, called Cromartie High School, uh, where the, the law of the land is violence. Um, and it's just, it is the, the rule of the strongest. Uh, and there are, um, they're all in, in various states of uh, unhumanness uh, to the degree that uh, there's even a, a gorilla is actually at the school. Yeah, that sounds weird. It's rather it's rather fascinating, um, and uh, eventually the. The instability of their uh, of their situation is uh, really dramatized in the fact that um, even the gorilla, when they encounter the gorilla, uh, they go through the same um, philosophical examination that we we've just done, 
where at first they're they're kind of shocked uh, that a gorilla is is in the school, um, and they they immediately identify the gorilla as a gorilla, um, and they're incredulous because of course the gorilla isn't a human uh, and shouldn't be at the school. Um, but over time, they they actually just uh, and, and really just a very short while, they accept the gorilla uh, as a human and uh, just carry on um, with the gorilla welcome, welcomed into the um, as um, as a subject like them. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think that um, fairly definitively uh, settles the question of what it, what a human is. Okay. Well, so now that's out of the way, I guess like my feelings. Um, so that, that the 13, seven game against the Houston Texans, uh, frankly, I, I thought it was embarrassing. It was one of the worst games I've seen of the Doug Peterson era. Um, you know, the, the very short era, but um, yeah, yeah. Very, yeah stands so out. far. Absolutely. So far. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for for a moment, I thought this this could be uh, Travis Setien's breakout game, but like in the end, none of it really came to anything. Um, mm-hmm. uh, like, there's not even a, a good drive here that we could we could try to break down. Um, you know, there's maybe a couple passes that were decent, but uh, this was this right. was a, um, a a pretty like terrible game. Um, honestly, I feel like confidence must be, um, pretty low with fans. Uh, I know my confidence with the team is pretty low. I'm not going to write, uh, Trevor Lawrence off just yet. Um, I think, yeah, I, I think that would be a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's still, um, there's still like plenty of room there for, for, uh, again, like the, the confidence on like fully turning this team around this year. Um, not fully there for me, but, but I think there's still some, uh, Hopefully there'll be better games. Uh, at the very least, we'll we'll start to see some improvement. That um, you know, it, it's just been it's been a I, it's been a tough season, and especially um, you know, this game in particular. But um, it's not looking good out there. Yeah, I think particularly troubling. I can accept the record. Um, I think for a lot of a lot of Jags fans. If you went back to the offseason and you showed them the uh, the schedule as it is now, uh, I think most Jags fans would accept uh, h- how they've performed, or at least the the record overall. Uh, and that's that's where I am too. Yeah. We all accepted this was going to be a rebuilding year, especially after last season, um, and the the. A lot of the things that are important for this year appear to be progressing. Uh, yeah, but I mean, but not not to cut you off a little bit, but like even with the wins against uh, Indianapolis Colts, the Los Angeles Chargers, I felt like they were still struggling in in the red zone. Um, like w- there's been wins so far, but. Um, I think there's, there's still like, I, I have my concerns. Um, and 
you know, feel free to 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 tell me if you think um, I'm off base. I I know uh, some of the stuff. I I know lots about some of it. Um, I feel like you have a, a slightly better handle on, and and maybe here uh, this is a place where I kind of want to pick your brain. But like, part of me feels like like they should be pulling in James Robinson more often. Um, mm. but I don't actually know if like maybe the roster isn't really set up that way. Uh, that's the, one of the areas that I don't um quite have the the same understanding. Yeah, well, that's a very valid point. Uh, I think that is that would be one take on on the last couple of games is that James Robinson needs more carries. Um, certainly, you look at the first few weeks mm-hmm. um, when he uh, was more of the featured piece of the offense um, when they established the run more consistently, uh, and the team performed a lot better. Uh, with that said, though, I, I think. There's there's a couple elements here. Uh, the first one is um, the Eagles game. You have uh, five turnovers, so you just don't have as many plays uh, that the offense is running, uh, and therefore you don't. The, it sets the whole offense off schedule, yeah. And that's really bad for a player like James Robinson, who is especially important on those first, second down runs, and then short yardage on third down to convert. Uh, and then the other aspect yeah, of I mean, it, um, and, and also when, when Trevor Lawrence is on the move, like passing is, is definitely probably the best option when you're getting close to that goal line. Um, agreed. Um, although Trevor Lawrence, the thing that's really alarming for me is the turnovers from Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's the, the one place where I can kind of see maybe, maybe James Robinson here isn't the necessarily the best uh choice but i i feel like um i don't know we we gotta shape thing uh shake things up a little bit um yeah they they definitely have to clean it up uh um, yeah and quickly um we want to get into above 500 uh i realized that i forgot to open up the thing for me to read through the ending of potion i'm pulling it up right now uh thank you for joining us today next time we will be reading chapter 12 from volume one is that correct or did i forget to update this no that's correct. Uh, no that's correct uh you can find the full schedule at exportaudio slash puton schedule if you have questions for us please send them to ghostdiverspot at gmail.com no one has done that yet i would love it uh, you can get early access to episodes of this podcast and many others by becoming a $1 patron of the network at exportaud.io and listen a week before the public feeds. Or for $5, you get uh, exclusive access to Pop Done Funk, a weekly podcast where Autumn and Nora roll a random Funko Pop and have to watch something from that media franchise. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend. Uh, they can find the free feed over at exportaud.io slash Puton or by searching Pondering Puton on any podcast app of choice. If you like listening to us talk, we do a lot more of that over at Ghost Divers, which you can find at exportaud.io slash Ghost Divers or by searching Ghost Divers on your podcast app of choice. Um, when you're listening to this, uh, if you're listening to it in the Patreon feed, the uh, intro episode for Paranormal Agent is about to come out. If you're listening to this in a free feed, it's already out. Go listen to it. Um, also, there might be something coming Thursday, but it's still a secret, but something to look forward to. And uh, you can find the show at Pondering Putan on Twitter, or just at Putan on co-host. You can find me at FoxMomNia on Twitter and co-host. Where can Bill find you, Connor? Uh, y'all can follow me at Jaguars, J-A-G-U-A-R-S, on Twitter and co-host. And our opening theme is Ningen Nante by Yoshida Takaro. And taking us out today is Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses. Class dismissed. Class dismissed.